Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 29. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Ascribe to the Lord all glory and strength. Worship the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord all glory and strength. Worship the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Ascribe to the Lord all glory and strength. Worship the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord all glory and strength. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. Ascribe to the Lord all glory and strength. Worship the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord all glory and strength. Worship the Lord. Holy.
Almighty God, you are our only true refuge, our, our steadfast shelter. We seek you and we need you and we long for you. You're our God of, of great provision and the God who is in the wilderness and the desert. Our God who promises a, a banquet and our God of manna. Father, you are holy and other beyond our understanding and yet you draw near and know your people. You hear our groans and lament, even when we don't have the words to express. You see our face and move towards your people. And loving God, open our hearts uh, to both receive and to give this morning, to drink deeply of your love and then to give abundantly from it. Father, open our imaginations to see yourself giving love and to be changed by it. And Father, meet us by your spirit in the places we are in this morning. Meet those of us in the everyday rhythm of life and the mundane and the routine. Remind us, Lord, of the, of the goodness of resting at your feet. Lord, meet some of us in the beautiful, the exhausting care of being parents, of caring even for our older family members. Father, meet those of us in the uncertainty of trying to figure out what our next move is. Lord, meet those of us in need of that reminder that we are not alone, that our worth is not bound up in our achievements, that somehow we have to be put together to feel connected and known by you. And Lord, meet those of us in the shadow of grief and loss. Join us in our sorrow and our tears in the sharp moments that never were, and in the delight of memories that reach far beyond death. Father, meet us in these places, we pray, with your loving and abiding presence. In the name of Christ, amen. Will children now dismiss for children's worship? Actually, are we? Yeah, we are dismissed. <laughs> Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. We'll do this together uh, as a church and then have a time of song and then personal quiet confession. Holy and merciful God, in your presence, we confess that we have broken your law and fallen short of your commands. God of heaven and earth, we have not loved you with all our heart, soul, and mind. And we have not loved our neighbor as we love ourselves. We've chased false loves and given ourselves to things that destroy us and keep us alone. Have mercy on us. Amen. Let's sing together. Oh God. 
take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we come to you in sin and weakness, confess it's hard to be honest about our neediness, even like Adam and Eve, we may even want to cover up our guilt and shame. But God, we know that you see us, and in your kindness, through your Son, you lead us into repentance and into life. We give thanks in Jesus' name, amen. We'll stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 145. Let's join together. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all I'll call on him in truth. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us take a moment to welcome one another in the name of Christ. Mercy speaks by Jesus' blood, hear and sing, ye sons of God. Justice satisfied indeed, Christ has full atonement made. Jesus' blood speaks loud and sweet, here all deity can meet. And without a jarring voice, welcomes I unto She must and shall 
Please be seated. The Old Testament lesson today is from Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The New Testament lesson is from Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks much for reading from God's Word. It's good to be here with you this morning and a chance to look at uh, Scripture together and worship together. Uh, you'll see in your, your order of worship, we're going to look at a passage from John 1. Uh, also, there's a note there um, about uh, a new sermon series for this season of Epiphany. And I'll talk about that uh, in just a moment. But um, Epiphany means like the season of light or that God has revealed himself in Christ. And so, but before we read their passage and, and talk a little bit more about the, the season of the, the church year, um, I want us to start by thinking about maybe the challenge it is to uh, pay attention. <laughs> the, the challenge, it's, it's an app thing just to bring up right now, you know, um, the challenge for us to see things, right? And I'm thinking especially in the, you know, as you go about your day, uh, maybe you'll have the day off tomorrow, but sometime maybe on Tuesday or some point you go about your day, whether it's going to school or going to work or just going about the things you have before you. And if you're like me, it's possible that in the busyness of things or having your mind full of different things to do or different worries, that all the things around you kind of just become fading into the distance, kind of like background noise almost. Maybe you're so familiar with that commute that you don't even notice what you see any longer. Or maybe the walk to schools, you don't even notice all the different houses or trees that you pass. And I mentioned that as a way just to think about maybe the challenge of this world and the challenge of seeing, uh, but also to mention a story I saw recently that some New Jersey commuters, probably those who were also used to things fading into the background, that one morning recently they were kind of jolted to pay attention. They were jolted to pay attention because their trains were all delayed because a Longhorn bull was on the train tracks in the New York Penn Station, if you can imagine that. Suddenly, they were called to see that things were not the normal routine of the day, but that there was a Longhorn steed or bull, I guess, on the tracks. This brown-colored bull pairing a, sporting a pair of long and pointy horns shocked riders in Penn Station as he was wandering in the tracks, if you can picture the tracks were sunk low at the train station, he couldn't find his way back out of those tracks. We might be used to seeing pigeons. It's not too often that we see livestock, see a bull at the train station. But eventually the authorities were able to, to move the bull off of the tracks. And the trains that were going in and out of New York City were no longer delayed. 
The news story said that this bull was taken to Skyland's Animal Sanctuary, where he's doing well, and even given the name Ricardo. Authorities thought that this bull escaped from one of the nearby meatpacking companies. So if that's true, good job, Ricardo. Way to escape. <laughs> Way to escape and find a better life for yourself. I mentioned that, if you can kind of this idea that you're going about and everything's kind of a blur, background noise, to all of a sudden being shocked into seeing. That's part of the theme of the season of Epiphany, to see, to recognize, to be aware. And such things are not easy in our world. It's full of distractions and full of all sorts of busyness. And whether we're used to the church calendar or whether that's something that's new to us, the thing to know is that the church calendar was created to help us have a sense of rhythm and a sense of time that wasn't dictated by maybe demands or by work or productivity, but to think about God and the rhythm of following him. And so there's seasons like Advent and Christmas and Lent to help us think again about who God is and what it means to be connected to him in the world. And the church year starts with Advent and Christmas. Advent is this idea that we can remember our waiting, that we long for something. We long for God to come. We know that things aren't quite right, and we long for God, and we wait. And Christmas is the celebration of God's faithfulness to come in the person of Jesus. And Epiphany follows Advent and follows Christmas. And it is the idea that God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. Epiphany means to manifest or to reveal. And it's an invitation for us to see, to pay attention to be aware of what God has made known to us in the person of Jesus. And so it's a season all about seeing. And what I hope that we can see over the next few weeks, that we can recognize, is Jesus of Nazareth. Epiphany highlights that God, the creator of all things, that once just read the one who created light, created the universe, heaven and earth, made himself known to you and me. Let himself be seen the person of Jesus. And so maybe we are like the commuters. It might be a strange to make this comparison. Maybe we're like the commuters who are weary with demands and tired from all the different things going on in life, that things just kind of fade into the background. Maybe we are like those who need to be woken up by an escaped bull on the train tracks. My hope is that we can be awoken again to see this person of Jesus. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at gospel passages that invite us to, to ask, who is this? Who is this one that was called Emmanuel, God with us? And the wonder of our faith, the wonder is, is that when we get to know Christ, when we get to know him, we not only get to know God, but we actually find that we get to know ourselves. This is the wonder of the Christian faith. By knowing God, by knowing Christ, the one who reveals God, we actually come to know ourselves in a new and true way. And so let's hope that we can see this morning. We're going to start by looking at John 1. Verses 40 through 51, it's in your order of worship. And follow it, you can follow there or in your Bible. And here's an invitation for us to look and to see. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael come toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is God's word and it's given for our good. Lord, we, we ask that your spirit would help us today, that you would illuminate your word, 
and that by your spirit we would see and know and receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we look at this passage and think about this, this theme of seeing Jesus, I want us to, to ask two questions to make our way through it. The first question is, what are the titles? What are the titles that Jesus receives? And then the second question is, is what do they mean? Or why, you know, what do they mean especially for us? So let's start with this first question. What titles does Jesus receive in our passage? And it might be strange. We don't necessarily maybe think too much of titles in our culture today. But one of the main ways that Scripture reveals Jesus' special identity is through the titles and descriptions that were given to him. And actually, the opening chapter of John's gospel that we just read out of, this opening chapter is full of titles, full of descriptions about Jesus. In the introduction, the, the prologue, Jesus is described as the eternal divine word. He is the light that the darkness cannot overcome. He's the one and only Son who makes the Heavenly Father known. And then when John the Baptist shows up on the, the scene to call people to come and prepare, he says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the first disciples, Andrew and Peter, when they're telling others about Jesus, when they encounter Jesus, they, they say, we have found the Messiah, meaning we have found the one anointed by God to bring God's kingdom. And in our passage that we just read, when Philip is trying to tell Nathaniel about Jesus, he says, we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets wrote about. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so all these titles kind of pile up, and then we're given a chance to respond with Nathaniel. Did you see how now does Nathaniel respond to this introduction? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? What? Basically, Nathaniel says. It's hard maybe to think, but Nathaniel was from a neighboring village, one that was probably a rival of Nazareth. Maybe like the Bears and Packers, you know, or the Cubs and the White Sox. But is anything good come from that place? I know that place. Nothing special about it, Nathaniel's saying. And his question gives us a chance to, to feel the kind of the tension or the contrasts in our passage. I don't know if you noticed this when we read, but there is this shifting that happens. Nathaniel isn't impressed with Jesus' home, but after just a short encounter with Jesus, a short word from him, Nathaniel's suddenly calling him the Son of God and the, the King of Israel. And also we see that Philip introduces Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. But by the end of the passage, he is the son of God. And so seeing these contrasts help us to, to grasp the identity of Jesus here. That he, the passage moves from this question of Nazareth to king of the Jews. From son of Joseph to son of God. And I want us to just take a moment to dwell on these tensions of the titles, because in that tension, we have a chance to maybe see in, in a new way again about who this person is and why there is this tension or why there is this contrast about him. He's the Son of God. This might be one of the most important titles in Scripture for Jesus, saying that he's more than just a person. He's the incarnation the embodiment of the divine word. He's the pre-existing heavenly figure that's from God and who will return to God. And it's very possible that as we read this, we can maybe even expect that when Nathaniel makes this confession that Jesus is the Son of God, it is the climax of the passage. This is where it's, we're already just in the first chapter, but this is where it's all going, right? But that's actually not the case. The title Son of God emphasizes the heavenly origin and divine nature of Jesus. But right in the same passage, we hear the very human title, Son of Joseph. Son of Joseph, Son of the Carpenter. And we might think, I mean, what comes to mind, at least for me right away, or maybe you, that this is just, you know, Son of Joseph from Nazareth, 
It's a way to distinguish Jesus just from, you know, other people, maybe others who bore his name. But I want us to see that something else is going on with these titles, Nazareth and Son of Joseph. They say something significant about Jesus' identity as fully human. He's part of a human family. He's from a specific time, a specific place. Maybe in this case, even a a place or a family that others would look down upon or dismiss or not like. Son of Joseph, this title is intention, it's in parallel with Son of God. Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, the chosen one of God, the pre-existent word of God, and the Son of Joseph. And what I suggest to you is that we're to feel the kind of surprise or the jarring interruption that in the midst of declaring the greatness of Jesus, we're reminded of his human fullness. Like an escaped animal, livestock in a New Jersey train station. Maybe it's a chance to look again and to see. To see again that Jesus, the one who holds together the divine and the human. And that brings together the third title that he has in this passage, which is the Son of Man. And this is a title that Jesus gives to himself, that he is the Son of Man. And this title is a special one, and we see it through Scripture, where Jesus is bringing together the divine and the human. He's bringing together the tension or bridging the gap between the Son of God and Son of Joseph. He is the Son of Man. And when Jesus gives this title, it leads us to the second question that I want us to ask is, what does this mean? What does these titles mean? Well, in our short passage, we can see Nathaniel move from questioning anything good from Nazareth to hailing Jesus as Son of God. In response, Jesus says to Nathaniel, maybe I, I, I picture him, maybe you can picture as well with a, maybe a little bit of a smile on his face or even a laugh. Nathaniel, you believe because you said, you, I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. That's all it took for you to believe in me. Jesus says, you will see greater things than these. You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus seems amused, and he encourages Nathanael that there is much more to see. What is Jesus saying here, right? So Jesus often speaks in ways that aren't always direct, but his answer is evoking the story of Jacob from the Old Testament book of Genesis. So take a moment to to hear this story, to catch up a little bit, Jacob, if if you know his story, was a schemer. The thing to know about him was that he was known as the trickster, the manipulator, always plotting, always tricking to get his way. And as we might have experienced in our own life, either receiving it or giving it, his manipulations eventually build up, especially towards his older brother Esau, to the point of forcing him to run away from home. And so we find in Genesis, Jacob running away without a penny to his name and nothing but the clothes on his back. He is alone and he stops to rest. I always remember in this passage it says he found a nice stone and used it to sleep on. Such a nice, sounds like a nice pillow, right, to put your head down. But he falls asleep and has a dream. And in the dream, Jacob, who is by himself and afraid, he sees a ladder The foot of the ladder is on the ground, and the top of the ladder reaches into the heavens. And God's angels are going up and down the ladder. And the Lord himself stands by the ladder and makes a promise to Jacob. Jacob, one day I will bring you home. One day, Jacob, you will come back to your family land in peace and abundance. Your story, Jacob, will not end with schemes and with anger. Your story will not end with you alone, with others hating you. 
And Jacob wakes from the dream. And what does it tell him? Well, the ladder with the angels going up and down communicates to Jacob that God was not disconnected, not far off, but rather that God was with him. Even after Jacob's tricks and schemes, even when he finds himself alone and far from home without resources, God affirms his promise to Jacob. I am faithful and my promise will endure. As we try to picture this, maybe we can ask from what, what comes to your mind when you think of a ladder? What comes to your mind when you think of a ladder? Maybe it's just a utility to change the light bulb, you know, put, do some painting. I don't know the last time you used the ladder. We can think of it that way just as a tool that we might need at certain times. But if we can picture, especially maybe out the outside of a, of a house reaching up to the second floor, like a second floor window. Or maybe you have a ladder that goes up to a loft or to a bunk bed. In such a way, a, a ladder in that manner is a symbol of connection. Those two levels are now connected. They're not apart. They're connected to one another. They're not separated. And the ladder in the dream communicates God's presence to Jacob. The Holy One, the Heavenly One, is with me. God is present. God is not far off or disconnected from this world. The image of the ladder and the angels going up and down tells us that heaven and earth are linked And in many ways, this is the promise at the heart of the Bible. Jesus is evoking it again. When sin and when the breaking of God's law brings separation, will we simply be left with our isolation and disconnection? Or will God grant us his presence again? Are we alone to face the challenges of this world, alone to face the different brokenness or the different challenges that come to us, or will God overcome the gap and the disconnection? Jesus is evoking all of these things when he says to Nathaniel, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, not on a ladder this time. Jesus changes the image not on a ladder, but on a person, the Son of Man. What a strange image, right? On this very person, heaven and earth are now connected. The Son of Man, the title that Jesus gives for himself, is communicating that he is holding together the Son of God and the Son of Joseph. Here is a figure that's both earthly and heavenly, both human and divine, the one that connects us to the one who made us. What do these titles mean? Jesus is saying to Nathaniel and to us, don't think that all you will see is one or two remarkable things. Seeing me, Jesus is saying, or hearing me is not just hearing a few interesting lines or interesting teachings. But in the person of Jesus, he's saying, you will see heaven open and encounter God's presence, God dwelling with us. Jesus is saying to Nathaniel and to all of us who would give attention to him, all who would look and see that if you follow me, if you watch me, if you listen to me, you will see what God is like and what heaven is like what the light of life is like. And so suddenly this maybe obscure statement that Jesus makes about the Son of Man becomes an overwhelmingly annou announcement about who he is and his unique role to connect heaven and earth, to connect us to God. Not that long ago, my, my family, we were playing a murder mystery board game. Maybe you guys have played those games before. I don't really know if a board game is the right term, but it comes in a box and you open it up and there's all sorts of evidence and a case file and you have to kind of look through the story and the clues to see if you can work together to solve the case. The good news is that the, my family solved the case. 
I don't know how much I actually contributed to the matter. It was kind of late at night, and I was kind of tired, but, uh, but we did it. If you can picture such an idea of trying to put together different clues and try to you know, make observations and figure things out, I want us to have that image maybe as a contrast to Epiphany, something different than what maybe we can see this morning. This murder mystery game that requires all this trying to figure out and putting pieces together, that is much how life is at times, right? There is much of life that is challenging. Much of life that doesn't really make sense. There's many questions that seem that there's not clear answers to. And there's much that requires discussion and reflection. But I want us to hear this morning that epiphany and this idea of seeing Jesus is not that I or that the group that I'm a part of has figured it all out. That is not what we're being invited to. That I have all the answers. I know how it all works. I have it figured out. Now, epiphany and what Jesus is saying will be seen is that here is the one that is true. If you're looking someplace to start, looking for what is the light, look at this one. If you're feeling overwhelmed by your sin and guilt and shame, here is one to look to for his full of truth and grace. If you don't know who you are or don't even know how to begin, here is the one to look at. If we're overwhelmed by our grief or our loss or uncertainty before us, here is the one whose path leads to life. It is not saying to you and I this morning that we have it all figured out or that there's all answers to every question. Rather, we're hearing what God says about Jesus later in the book, which here is my son. Listen to him. What does Philip say to Nathaniel? Nathaniel asks, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good? How could it possibly be that the son of Joseph and the son of God are the same person? Philip says, come and see. Come and see. So I invite myself and invite you this day to look at this one. The Son of Man, the link between heaven and earth, the one who binds together God and us, the gap, the one who fills the gap, and the one who says to us that God knows us that God sees us, that God is not far off, but actually very near to his creation and to his people. I invite us to look again and to cling to this one who was worthy of our trust, worthy of our looking, and worthy of our listening. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. We thank you for how you are not just a far off God that is described as eternal, and holy, but you're also the one who's described as the son of Joseph from a town that people think very little of. Lord, thank you that you are not a God who stayed distant, but one who drew near and entered our humanity, that we would be with you now and forever. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. church is one foundation is jesus christ her lord she is his new creation by water and the word from hell he came and sought her to be his holy bride with his own blood. Oh,
Almighty God, you alone can bring peace into the ever-changing wills and affections of sinners. Grant us grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the constant changes of the world, our hearts may be fixed on you, where true joy may be found. And now we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Please be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as we prepare to come to this communion table, uh, it's a chance for us to be reminded of what this gift is that God gives to us. For this image that Christ gives is a, a table, the family meal of God's people. And our place at the table is not because of what we have accomplished or will accomplish, it's because Christ has come to us. The one from heaven has entered in fully into the earth to connect us back to God. And so our place at this table is by God's mercy to us in Christ, his righteousness in our place, his forgiveness offered to us. And so as we gather around this family meal, we eat this bread and drink this cup that proclaim his broken body and shed blood, the very basis for our place in the family. For Christ has taken upon himself all of our brokenness and sin and death and given to us the heavenly gifts of life and forgiveness and mercy and righteousness. If you know of your need before God and if you placed your hope in Christ, then come and eat of this table. Be reminded of who you are in Christ, a child or son of God, daughter of God, who he feeds by his spirit through the sacrament. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness and an invitation that this is what God is like, welcoming those who are far off into his family to be part of his family now and forever by his grace. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you for this table. And we pray you set apart this bread and cup and that by your spirit you would meet us. Nourish us and strengthen us. For, Lord, we come full of worries, full of sadness and sorrow, full of shame and of guilt. We come needing your care. So meet us this day by your spirit and lift our heads. Remind us of the hope of the resurrection. Remind us of the certainty of forgiveness. Remind us of your love that's steadfast and calls us your child that you delight in. Lord, let us hold these things by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle to receive the bread and the cup, and you can go back on the sides. If you're able to hold the elements, I ask that you would hold them until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not uh, participating in communion this morning, we're glad that you're here and invite you to come down the center aisle as well. Just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian and I can offer a prayer, a blessing a peace for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward now and let us come and receive these gifts that God has for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite uh, you to stand, that we can pray and sing as God's people to give thanks to this grace that he's shown to us. Lord Jesus Christ, you have made known to us the loving kindness of God, and that we are saved not because of our righteous works, but according to his mercy. With thankfulness, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we're going to continue our worship by having a chance to respond by uh, giving offering, giving a gift to God in response to his generosity. So I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward. That, um, they can, they'll pass a, a gray basket. You can put your communion cup in, and then there's a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift. You can also give an offering. You'll see in your order uh, by the church's website or by text as well. I uh, just want to say, again, welcome. It's good to be here this morning. Even on a cold January morning, it's good to be here and gather in God's name. And so welcome, especially if you are worshiping with us the first time or just, just started coming. We're glad that you're here. Uh, there is a, a black information sheet, a, a pad underneath the chair in the center aisle. So if you're sitting in the center aisle, and I invite you to reach under that, your chair, and pick that up and, and fill it out and, and pass it down. It'd be great. You can know who you're worshiping with today. Also, if you are uh, new to the church and like uh, to receive the email or, or have a chance for me to reach out to you, uh, you know, I invite you to give your information there. It'd be, I'd love to have a chance to talk more with you about LSPC. A couple other things just to remind you is that we have a time of hospitality after the service. There's coffee and bagels. It's in the hallway right behind me. So after the service, uh, you know, hope you can stay. Just make your way into the hallway. You'll see the table there, and it's a chance for us to enjoy some coffee and a bagel from Beans and Bagels around the corner and, uh, and get to know each other better. Uh, and the last thing, just to, to remind you, I mentioned in the beginning, but um, on January 28th, so two, two weeks from now, uh, we'll... Uh, go together. Anyone that is available wants to can go have lunch together at Jimmy's Pizza Cafe on Montrose. Uh, we usually, we've done that before. We walked over there and just enjoy some time together. So if you're available on the 28th, two weeks from now, uh, please join us after the service. A great time to spend together. Let's continue worshiping God by the giving of our gifts. stand for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. 
Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace.